right. So we've got another episode of how real estate changed my life. And if you've listened to any of my episodes in the past, you know, I'm all about dispelling myths of owning real real estate and how to get into it. And uh, one of the things I want to do is make sure that we have the right vendors relationships for somebody that's going to be buying rental property. You know, I've had Andrew Postel in the past for financing. Uh, Today, I've got Cameron Moore uh, on insurance because insurance is a little different when it comes to rental property, investment properties versus what you're used to on a typical home auto type agency. So with that being said, Cameron Moore, here you are. Uh, Tell me about you real quick. And, you know, We've got a long history. We can talk about that in a little bit, but uh, let's let's jump in. Tell us about you and what you're doing. Absolutely. Well, I obviously I'm an insurance broker, so we shop the market for the best rates for the best coverage. Pretty big portion of my book of business is investment properties, investment portfolios, whether it's on the commercial or residential side. We understand what these investors are trying to do. They're trying to get cash flow, but they need their assets protected. They need to be advised properly. And you know, my background coming from property management as well allows me to you know reason and communicate on the same level with these investors. And myself wanting to be a, a investor as well, I see the value in real estate since I've been around it for so long. But that's a quick synopsis of, of why I'm sitting here. Yep. So you kind of hit on a little bit your background in property management. So back end of high school, I think, all through Texas Tech University breaks for winter, summer, you you were on my staff, you know, getting in and seeing the 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 nitty gritty of uh, property management. Yeah. Then you graduated. I remember you graduated uh-huh. and you're like, hey, I'm ready to come work from a call property management. I'm like, dude, I don't have the right position available for your skill set and your talents right now. Yeah. And then you went off to insurance for a couple of years and then it came to the point where uh, Mark Rowland, one of my other buddies, uh, we're like, well, now's time to get into insurance. And then first thing we did was called Cameron because like Cameron's the guy. I know the guy. I've known him for so long. I know your work ethic. I know how smart you are on everything and you want to know everything about anything you're involved with. And then you've already had the real estate background. You already had the insurance background. So that's when we brought you on board and said, hey, you're the guy to run it. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy with what you've done with something that didn't even exist and where we're at now with Proco Insurance. I think some. I think a lot of people would be really excited about if they had the same results as that you and I have had with with Proco Insurance. But yeah. uh, with that being said, that was just kind of the hey, full disclosure. I you know I'm I'm equity holder of Proco, and then you're our go to for insurance because you're the only guy I trust. Well, I appreciate that, and yeah, it's the the book has has taken off, and I think you know there's some good reasons for that. I think people are looking for for a good landing spot that somebody they can trust that understands what they're doing, obviously, but also this market. I mean, it's crazy and it's grown our book astronomically. So it's been good. And, and the opportunities have been unexpected. We've done really well, but it's, it's good to be here for sure. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, broker versus people who refer to it as captive insurance, but it's the the guy that has the brand name of, you know, it's Allstate or it's Farmers yeah, yeah. or any of those. And there's those are all good firms, but you know, what's the difference between a brokerage and a, a captive agency? Well, the difference is pretty simple. I mean, with a broker, we work with all the major A-rated carriers that allow us to write them independent agencies, you know, like travelers, progressive, all state has a captive and a brokerage side, but the state farms of the world, the farmers of the world are the captive. And it's essentially like you call me, I can shop the entire market and find who's most competitive for the most part. If you call a state farm agent, a USAA agent, you know, they're shopping one thing and they're trying to fit you into their category, right? I know the carriers, let's say that there's a student housing in a, in a college town and somebody reaches out to me. They actually reached out to me today. Um, they call State Farm. State Farm's not looking for that right now. 
but they'll throw all these crazy endorsements and write, you know, sometimes write not the most honest policy just to try to get that business because everyone's trying to make money. Um, they call me. I know which carriers don't want that. So we don't waste time with those carriers and I'll put them, you know, where, where a carrier is looking for that. So they're both competitive and, you know, you're well covered on the coverage side. So it's really just options. It's, it's having multiple, multiple underwriting, underwriting people to go to and be like, Hey, is this the type of risk that you want? Are you going to rate well on this? Are you going to cover a claim in the event that there's a claim filed? So, I mean, the big thing is just options and and, and knowing which carrier is good for what type of risk. So you hit on a good topic. Back in the day when I was early on, it was like, you just get the cheapest insurance because it's all the same, mm-hmm. but it's not, is it? I mean, like if no. I have three carriers that are like, hey, I've, I'm going to give Kyle a coverage on this house and they're all, you know, $10 difference. Do I just go with the cheapest one or... Tell us what to look for. What, what, yeah. Why would I get the one that costs a little bit more? Yeah. Well, when I'm talking to investors, I always say you want all the main coverages. You want replacement costs, not actual cash value, which uh, you and I both know is just they don't take depreciation into account on replacement costs, but on, on ACV, they do. The big things that affect your premium the most, which is your cash flow, are deductibles. I mean, it's it's risk tolerance. That's all it is. So if you take a higher deductible, you're going to get a lower rate in most cases, almost all cases. You obviously want the water damage coverages. You want full roof replacement whenever you're, as long as carriers will, will do that in DFW. You want that roof replacement as well and not be on a payment schedule, which is actual cash value. Same thing. They depreciate it 130th every year and then give you that money for that less your deductible. But I mean, without boring you too much about like the sub coverages, you want if you want to go in and you want to boost your cash flow, go with a higher deductible. Always be shopping, of course, but go with the higher deductible. I had a guy reach out to me today off Bigger Pockets, and he was like, "I think I've got a pretty decent option, but you know, I just want you to look at coverages." He didn't know he had a five percent win in the hail uh, mm. deductible with in our EIG, and they're an investment focused brokerage. They do schedules. That's all they do. They're not known for their good coverages. They don't find a balance. There's no balance. They are the cheapest, but there's no balance with coverages either. So you got to find that balance. You need to make sure your liability is the highest it can be. Um, in most cases, when I see people write anything under 500K to a million in liability on a policy, I laugh because it's literally a 7 to $10 difference on the year to go from $300,000 of personal liability coverage on a dwelling policy to 500,000. And it's probably $20 on the year to go to a million whenever it's offered. So you definitely want your liability protection to be high. Maybe throw an umbrella in there, extra million dollars to uh, to protect your assets. If you're sued, you're pulled into a lawsuit. You know better than anyone. If, if you're in business long enough, you will be pulled into a lawsuit. And when you have the proper coverage, a lawsuit's just kind of a laughing factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, there's so many ways to take this, but let's start with, you said the 5% deductible. And I think Mm -hmm. some people may hear that and be like, oh, well, 5% of the claim, no big deal. But no, this is 5% on the entire insured amount. Right. So for a $300,000 house. mm -hmm. And I'm glad you touched on that too, especially in this market. So a lot of people make the common misconception on insurance that your replacement amount should be your market value, but that's not the case. If you buy a house in South Lake, Texas, you know, that you pay $700,000 for, if you take that house, pull it out of South Lake and you put it on the outskirts of Denton, you're getting a completely different market value. Does that mean that the replacement cost is different? Nope. They're the exact same, same same square footage, same materials, everything like that. That replacement cost right now is about, I mean, depending on material type, 
everything like that. It's between $150 to $200 per square foot right now. When I came into the industry, it was $85 to $100 per square foot, but we that's a that's a different conversation about yeah. material costs and labor and everything. But it's of that replacement cost value. So let's say your, your property is right mid-range, you're $170 per square foot, and you've got a 2,000 square foot house. You know, you're looking at a total replacement cost of 340000 You file a claim and you have a 5% deductible. I mean, it's, you know, $3,400 times five. I mean, that's, you know, $17,000 you're coming out of pocket before the insurance company pays for it. I doubt the premium makes enough sense for you to be basically self-insuring your roof. You mm-hmm. might as well do an exclusion on the roof if you got a 5% deductible in that case. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. And I love the way that, you know, when we send referrals over to Proco from my other companies is you can have that educated conversation instead of just chunking out numbers and here's here's your price and you can you can walk through the pros and cons of the different things. Now, you mentioned something about um, some backup sewer coverage. Yes. Sewer I think that, that one seemed to come up a lot. So you want to talk yeah, about what that is? And- that's an important coverage. I always say every water co- coverage is important because essentially these insurance companies, you know, I'm on the side of the client. That's another thing that's important to mention about being a broker and not being a captive agent. Captive agents are on the side of their carrier because they have to deal with their carrier. They have to deal with the numbers. I'm on the client's side. I'm advising the client. It's all about peace of mind for the client. And as far as water damage coverages go, adding those endorsements is really just a way to say, find a way out of this insurance company. So you don't really have to prove how blank happened. Sewer backup um, is the most important, especially in rentals, because whenever it backs up and it, it floods in, into the house, you know, it's causing five, ten, twenty thousand dollars of, of damage. And it is the most likely water loss you'll see is just it backing up. You know, people flush things they shouldn't and it backs up through the sink. It backs up through the bathtub. It backs up through the toilet. And all of a sudden you're putting in new flooring, you're putting in new walls because, you know, it got up pretty high and, you know, tenants aren't always the most observant. It's not their property. So, you know, as an investor, you want to have those water coverages. And then just as important, having, you know, any other type of seepage and leakage coverage, if the pipes behind the walls are under the ground are leaking for over 14 days, if it's not endorsed, it's not covered. But, and you don't always see those, especially if you have a tenant in there. You think they're going to notice dripping under their cabinet whenever they're at a rental property? No, I mean, they're, they're just... They don't see it until it starts to pull out. And then you're like, wow, the damage is done and we have mold. So it's always important to request the highest level of water coverage, damage coverage that makes sense to you. And usually it's a less than $150 to $200 endorsement on the entire year to get whatever water package each carrier offers. The other one that I've seen come up is loss of rents because yeah. just because you're paying for something mm-hmm. or the insurance company's paying for something, you know, if that property's down and out for a couple of months because of something. Yeah. Lots of rent. Most lenders will require that to see that so that there's not a loss of money. But I mean, in simple, you know, layman's terms, it's, it's just, you can't, God forbid something happened to one of your investment properties and it burns down to the ground. And people don't often think, oh, we're going to have to be real rebuilding that. And while we're rebuilding it, we're still paying the mortgage. And while the mortgage is still being paid and we're dealing with insurance, because this is like a partial loss, that'd be a partial loss. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it doesn't about burn down to the ground. Excuse me. It goes to, you know, it's like kitchen burnt up. It's and it's can't live there. You know, they need to get the smoke out. You know, they need to do what they can. And those tenants are going to have to be relocated elsewhere. You're going to need, obviously, their insurance is going to cover the relocation if they're properly insured on the renter's insurance. But your insurance is going to cover your loss of rents during that time frame so that you're not just 
losing money like crazy. Um, and usually I think it's a good rule of thumb to have about 10% of your replacement cost on there. That's more than six months of coverage in most cases. You know, occasionally it'll be a little bit higher than that, but but yeah, loss of rents is, is important and usually automatically included. It's very rare that that a policy is written without it. So what's the difference between, and I don't think we talked about this yet, the typical homeowner's policy versus a landlord policy? Because as a property manager, we get people bring rental houses to us that they lived in and it was their home and now they're going to turn it into a rental. And then they just say, oh, well, I've already got insurance. Yeah, But that's um, not the right insurance, correct? No, it's not. Like I said, one big thing, so it's easy to say, oh, obviously the limits for personal liability or for uh, personal property, mm-hmm. excuse me, are a little bit higher, a lot higher on a, you know, when it's your homeowner's policy. But the best answer is actually that, like I said, these insurance companies are businesses. They will find ways not to pay claims if you're not properly advising. And, you know, in that case, if you come in and there's a tenant living in your house and they have a HO3 form, which is the homeowner's form, they're not going to pay the claim simply because they're not, they don't know what is actually happening at the property that they're accepting the risk from. Depending on the carrier, landlord policies in the past have been cheaper. Um, recently in this hard market, I've seen them be more expensive than homeowners policies. I think they're realizing, hey, tenants don't realize things as as quickly as as you would if you were the primary owner and you were in the house, like I'd mentioned. But yeah, I mean, the form being wrong, that's a big one. And just the fact that, you know, you'll need to have different additional insured, especially if you've got a property management company advising you. Um, that's a question that I you know, I work with more than just McCall. I work with several property management companies and it's funny, their clients will be like, they told me I needed to be additional insured. It's like, yeah, that doesn't mean they're going to get payment for your property burning down. It means they they can properly handle the property whenever there's a claim. They can speak with the 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 insurance company. They can advise on your behalf. They can do things like that. Um, and it's a zero dollar endorsement. So, it's amazing how much pushback we get from rental yeah. owners about that one yeah. line in the contract. I'm like, it has no negative effects whatsoever to them. Zero. But they, you would think that it was the I was stealing their kid or something. They yeah, just, I get it. It's scary to to look at something and be like, additional insured. You need to have a vested interest in my property. It's like, yes, but it's not a financial interest in your property. It's just so that they can properly manage your, 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 you know, your portfolio. That's how it goes. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny kickback that I get, but that's, I guess that's the the simple thing. The main coverage difference on a landlord policy versus a homeowner's policy is that typically there's little to no coverage for personal property, usually something for a stove and for, you know, maybe a, a overtop microwave, maybe a fridge washer and dryer sometimes that'll be covered. But you know, on, on the homeowners, you're you're typically at like hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand for personal property. That's not the case on a landlord. Switching gears, one of the things I've really enjoyed about the insurance business is obviously bigger policies. You know, the 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 big HOAs, the condominium associations, the apartment complexes, things like that. And, and man, those are a different animal when it goes to get insurance. Like that you have to work. You earn every penny when you're trying to get those because you've really got to shop it and really work it hard. And I there's one recently that you did where they had it was a complex and they had multiple buildings, but one building had an active claim on it and was not insurable. Mm-hmm. But you were able to come and they got I think they got canceled and they were trying to get insurance. Can you talk about that and how you kind of got creative on making sure that they had some yeah. coverage. Yeah, that's where I guess um, I've I've actually accumulated some knowledge on homeowners associations and, and condo associations, townhomes, apartments. Uh, there's a certain way you have to deal with the boards in those cases, and and uh, you know you and I have talked about boards on on HOAs, HOA boards, and condo association boards. But it's uh, 
you know, in this specific situation, this, I think it's a six building. Yeah, it's a six building condo association that is extremely outdated or was extremely outdated. And they had a million dollars of losses in the last five years on two different buildings of the six. And they were getting canceled. And I guess the past agent, maybe they didn't have a great relationship with the board or with the property management company. I'm not sure what happened, but I got looped in a week after it had canceled. Now, a policy like this takes four to six months to find everything we need. You know, maybe that's not always the case, but in this scenario, it, it took about four months to place it. They were going back and forth with the old insurance company that had already canceled them, trying to get to a number that made sense for the rebuild on the most recent full fire. And it was a, I think it was a 75% loss on a building six. And while I'm shopping it, you know, sometimes you realize things while you're doing things. I've been shopping it for a couple months. I'm just, man, this thing is, we need to get it insured. And finally, I, I was working with a good guy over at RPS who I do a lot of business with. And that's a wholesaler that helps me with, you know, special scenarios like that of a, something like this. You know, it's called the ENS market and it's basically surplus. And, uh, you know, he was like, what if we looked at insuring, you know, most of it and not the building that exclude that building while it's being rebuilt, while they're going to arbitration and everything. Once it's built, we'll endorse it in. That's how we had to get creative to get it insured. We got paid handsomely for it, uh, for our work. You're right. But we did earn every every penny. And, you know, it was a lot of going back and forth. It was a lot of begging carriers. We ended up placing it with GenStar, which is a pretty solid A++ rated carrier. And, you know, a little bit bigger deductible just because they're looking at them and they're saying, you know, this risk is is it's proven to be a risk. Uh, so so they had a little bit higher deductible, but we'll look at doing a buyback on that, which is a policy that buy, buys down the deductible. It's a separate policy um, that basically you insure yourself against the deductible. And so, yeah, we, we ended up getting creative and, and placing that. And I actually just got an email yesterday from the board. They are finally agreed to, with the old insurance company on building six. And we'll, we'll get that endorsed most likely by the end of the year once it's, once it's done. So, yeah. They should be very grateful to have an agent that like really yeah, hustled. They, they were quoted by state farm for $300,000 a year and we got them to 120,000 a year. So that's how you earned it. Yep. You, you earned that, that business certainly. So in that, I think you brought up a good point that it takes a long time to place business and sometimes like commercial policies mm-hmm. versus Home and auto, if you just, hey, hey I, I want to shop my my F-250, like I, I can get that instantly. But yeah. you know, this commercial stuff, it's a, it's a longer endeavor. So mm-hmm. especially with these people that are on like HOA boards or, you know, new to the apartment complex building inside of the business, they need to know that it takes a little while to, to put it all together. It's not a, a flip a switch and you got it, right? Yeah. And that's that's something you would want to advise on the first phone call. You know, that's that's something that I learned is, on the first phone call, be like, listen, this is a drawn out process. I'm going to be talking to you a lot and you're not going to get a quote. Don't follow up with me on Monday when it's a Friday and be like, do you have anything yet? This is a scenario where we're going to be looking at this for a week or two. Um, and we're going to have supplemental questions for you once we go to each area that wants the risk and, and, and all that. But I will say that with regards to commercial being a little bit more complicated, it's less volatile than the first lines side. And that's, that's as far as premiums are concerned on the consumer side. So it, there's a give and take for sure. And it's funny you mentioned that you're like, it's an overnight thing basically to get a quote for your F-250. It's going away from that. I've had underwriters turn away certain vehicles. I've had underwriters turn away certain houses lately and they're 48 hour turnaround times. The days of me being able to take every take care of every account right when I hit my desk, 
because of the market and because of the strict underwriting is gone. I mean, it's crazy. People are following up with me and they're like, where's this quote? I'm like, underwriting hasn't gotten back to me. It's been three days. And these carriers are just, they don't know what they want right now. They're not profitable and people are are paying the premium for that. Yeah. And the economy is a little tough on people. Like their expenses mm-hmm. of living have gone up, but their paycheck may not have kept up. So yep. they might be a little quicker to file a claim. Yep. And so you got people that are a little bit more risky to insure because they're going to claim faster than than they have been in the past. Mm-hmm. 100%. So what kind of advice would you give to somebody that's like, they've got an event, maybe it's on their vehicle, maybe it's on their home that they could file a claim or they could pay it out of pocket and it wouldn't be a whole lot of, of a difference in their lifestyle. How much is that going to hurt their their future insurability and rates and such if they claim it? it? You said it. If you can afford to pay for your own loss, pay for it. The big issue that's led to the tightening up of the insurance company, there's a lot of things at play. Uh, but aside from the obvious ones, people are unfortunately struggling more than they have in a very long time with day-to-day bills, month-to-month bills. And so people don't have cash on hand a lot of the time, especially post-COVID. People didn't have cash on hand to pay to pay their deductibles, or excuse me, to pay out of pocket for their losses. And they just looked at their deductible and was like, oh, I can pay $1,000. Well, the problem with that is these insurance companies got dinked and dinked and dinked for smaller losses that it added up, it, it stacked up on them. And now these carriers are really trying to protect themselves about, you know, with prof- with regards to profitability. So my advice is, if you can, pay it yourself. If it's not going to put you under, pay it yourself. Insurance is meant to protect your assets in the event something big happens. Stop using it for small things. Stop using the towing. Stop using the small comprehensive claims, little tiny windshields. If you can buy a windshield for $500, just because you have a $50 windshield deductible does not mean you should. Those actually affect you. When carriers tighten up like they are now, you get declined for having the towing stuff, the new windshields, the roadside assistance. I know it sounds ridiculous to be like, oh, I'm getting penalized for using it. Yeah, you are, unfortunately. And because of that, insurance companies are raising their base deductibles. I'm seeing a lot of my carriers only going to 2% wind and hail and DFW or baseline $5,000 all peril deductible to where there's the days of filing a, a claim on $5,000 of losses are, are done because what they're seeing a lot of the time is somebody has a $5,000 loss, they pay their $1,000 deductible and then the insurance company's out four grand, takes two years to recoup that because your premium is already low. You're either going to get non-renewed or you're gonna your premium is going to jump up because they're trying to make their money back. You have to you have to really play the game. They're a business too. You got to understand that they're not a charity. It's not a nonprofit. It doesn't work that way. You know, something else that's coming up recently more and more is short-term rentals. You know, you you you, care, you cover a couple of mine and it's a little bit different. You have to shop it different and you have a different carrier. So tell, what, what should we be looking for if I've got a short-term rental home? You know, to tell you the truth, I'm curious to see where the carriers go with that now that it's blowing up a lot more than mm-hmm. it was. Um, a lot of carriers won't even take it. Some of them will do an endorsement and not a separate form. Honestly, I though I write it, a lot of the ones I write are just endorsed on a, a normal dwelling policy. I know there's some carriers that come out and they say, hey, we're going to be the best you know, STR insurance company there is. You got to be cautious with new carriers that are cheaper than everybody else. Uh, because they find out pretty quickly that they, you know, they got their first year, they blew everyone out of the water. You lose a lot of business to them, and then boom, year two hits, and their premiums go up five hundred percent. They're like, oh my god, this is hard. We're not profitable. People file claims, but you have to make sure 
to your question, you have to make sure that the policy doesn't exclude STR or that your agent or agency or your carrier knows what you're doing with, with the property. Because if they think you're doing long, long-term, there's a loss and it was proven that there was short-term, they will exclude it. They will say, nope, we're not paying this claim. You were not truthful about the form or the format that you're renting this in. Sorry. Good luck. Yeah. That, it's a whole different animal. I'm always like liability. Like where's the liability in this? And when you got all these random people coming through your house over and over and over and over, like who's to say what's going to happen? So that that's why I've always been over. Like if there's insurance, policy, give me, I'll take two. Like I always yeah. want the insurance. Yeah. And uh, my thing is, cause I'm not interested in, I'd rather make the money, not have to worry about what's going to happen to me. You know, I'd rather just pay the insurance. So I've got extra coverage for, for any scenario that happens. Cause one of mine has a pool. And, uh, you know, you, they always say don't have pools and rental houses because liability, but you know, short-term yeah. rentals, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense to have those and Perfect. I've got hot tubs and all those sorts of things. But, um, yeah, I'm always, always like l- l- double up. That's more the reason to have the bigger umbrella. Uh, yep. if, if it's important yeah. and it's, it's funny too. I, I like to say this to people who are, who have a business mindset like you do, obviously. And like a lot, most all of my investor clients do it's, you know, price may matter at the time of purchasing a policy but coverage matters at the time of filing a claim. So let's make sure we find a balance between those two things. Don't chase only price and don't throw on bells and whistles of coverages that you'll never use and that you'll be paying phantom coverages for. Don't overinsure your property in the with regard to the replacement costs. A lot of carriers I see doing that. You know, it's a house, it's a house that's 1500 square foot and you're covering it for 550 just because it's in a good part of town. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. So you end up, you don't get a check for what, what you're insured for. You just pay that bigger deductible and they rebuild it for what they can. Right. Yeah. So I always tell people, you got to find that balance between coverage and, and price. Yeah. Cause your deductible, if it's 2%, it's, it's significantly more, exactly. you know, every, every minute or every dollar you go above. Right. Necessary coverage. What, what do you want to, Tell me about your business. Um, about Proco or I, I don't know. This, I, I, I think there, there, this is an opportunity for for people to understand, you know, where Proco comes in or insurance in general comes into their investment plan. The first policy you get for your first house that may not be what you have when you got six or seven or ten or fifteen houses. Mm-hmm. So you know, you, you are also more of a consultant too when it comes to insuring and Mostly walk people through the whole process. I'm fortunate. Um, you know, obviously I'm fortunate to be in the position I'm in to be, you know, running Proco and be at the age I am, you know, I'm, I'm, there's not a very, there's not a large amount of people who are, you know, under 30 years old with a book of business already three years old going into our fourth year. Under 40. Uh, yeah. Well, I see that a lot. And so I play the long game. I will advise you whether you go with me or not. This is a long game thing for me. I, God willing, I'll be, I'll be in this industry, um, till the day I die and I'm very young and my book of business is, you know, it's going to cycle in and out. I'm going to have clients that cancel with me after two years, go somewhere else, come back and stay with me for another 15. I know that. So I'm not, you know, I'm not a sales guy first. You said it, I'm a consultant. So whether somebody goes with me or not, send me over what you got. I will advise you. There have been a lot of cases where I was working with mortgage lenders and the their clients said, yeah, I want to go with Proco. And then they were like, well, I got this last minute quote from State Farm. I looked and I was like, oh my gosh, it's better in every way. And I went back to him. I was like, hey, I know we're about to bind with us, but I just want to let you know, I suggest you go with State Farm. It's better coverage, better price. I think in this case, we we lost and we'll get your business in the, in the future. And it's been huge, huge for me to shift from that because when I was at you know, working as a big uh, at a big insurance agency before Proco, the name of the game was all new business. We weren't paid very high on renewals. It was just crank, 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 hit your goals, hit your goals, hit your goals. And you know, I I didn't have at that time. I didn't have the the real the 
ability to advise people properly. Here, it's like, I don't need your business. I can just let you know where you want to go with regard to investment properties. And you know, when you get up over, I'd say five to 10, it'd be a good idea to schedule them all on one, especially if you're buying and selling, flipping, renovating, anything like that. Those are things you can just endorse on and off of a policy without having to write brand new ones. And it's very quick. It's very easy. So for people with bigger portfolios, that's what I suggest is uh, scheduling on a uh, one one policy. So you only have one billing cycle. It's easy to keep up with things. I think that uh, the big thing that you need to know about Proco Insurance is that I've found out very young and or very early that you know with honesty and efficiency and integrity, there's nothing that that you can't really do with these these investors. They like you to answer the phone call. We over communicate throughout each process. We let people know where they're at in the process. Um, we're honest about things, about price, about coverage, and you know, obviously, integrity is a big, big foundation of ours. So, I'd well, not, and I've seen it from from where I'm sitting. I see the same mortgage people and the same real estate agents just sending you tons of business. Like they just keep sending it to you because they know the underwriters they need it, just insurance quick for they yeah. so they can do their close. And I think they've they've seen that you know Cameron's the guy to to crank it out quick if, when needed. And I think that's just because I take it off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> the other thing is uh, uh, maybe later on, I was going to mention like, uh, you, you're probably up for playing golf with anybody whenever it's time. Yeah, absolutely. But no, you're right. It, it it does go a long way whenever, you know, even down to, hey, our closing got pushed back. I know we already bound this. Can we get an EOI with a new effective date? Boom. 15 minutes later, it's in their inbox. Uh, that goes a long way because then they can send to their underwriter and their closing doesn't get pushed back. There are times where insurance agents that already wrote business, the effective date gets changed. They kind of take a couple of days to get back to it. And then all of a sudden the closing's pushed back or, you know, they need to get new documents out to them with the new updated, you know, closing date. And they're just waiting on the insurance to be in so their underwriters can can do that. Speed and efficient or efficiency matters greatly when you're working with mortgage lenders and realtors. Absolutely. They're moving quick. And it carries over to investors as well. You want somebody who's going to pick up the phone. You know, these are your assets. You want somebody who's going to pick up the phone when you have a question, whether it's business or not. You have a question, pick up the phone. I will. You know, we do. Our agents do. So that's, I think that's, you know, the most important thing. And another piece that, that people, I think, don't realize is when they're flipping a house, because we, we get that, or when they're buying a distressed property and they're going to turn it into a rental, but they, it's not insurable as it is right now because it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's got a, it's got a big hole in the roof or the the pipes are all ripped out. So right. your your regular insurance company is not going to cover that. So no. in that scenario, what do we do? So we'll do a builder's risk policy, which is, you know, you insure the materials that are sitting at the property and that are in transit to the property. You, in most cases, you insure the, the standing structure as well. And it's usually a three to six month policy. So, so you can get it renovated and on the market or renovated. And then you roll it to a landlord policy when you get um, some tenants in there. It's its own form, you know? So, and that can be, that's pretty much usually a commercial policy. Sometimes it's a residential depending on the carrier, but in most cases I write it as a, as a commercial. I have a couple of good carriers. They're Liberty Mutual and US Assured, which is Zurich. They're really competitive. They're pretty solid. And if your work is less than $60,000, like your, your renovation cost is less than $60,000, typically it's about $1,200 for the full six months, which in the grand scheme of things for a property that's vacant and no one's going to be there except materials and the, the risk of theft is a little bit higher. That's pretty solid premium for that. And you just kind of usually build that into your hard money loan. Or if you're doing private, you know, you're doing a private loan, usually they just want to be named as an additional payout, you know, loss payee, mm-hmm. things like that. But yeah, And you mentioned it earlier on the commercial policy, when you've got a portfolio of houses, sometimes those commercial policies, you can flip them on and off 
for the type mm-hmm. of coverage. So you can do kind of a hybrid of a builder's risk in your single policy that you have for your commercial. You just have to identify them because they treat it different. That way you don't have to worry about having a one-off policy here and there. Right. Right. Yep. And I know you do that with IPIA and uh, yeah, it's pretty easy. You just roll it. It's basically in most systems, it's just a little pinwheel and you just go in there and you're like occupied rolling. Nope. You go to renovation and then you ensure how much materials or what the renovation, the ACV will, will be after repair ARV, excuse mm-hmm. me, ARV. And then you're in good shape. And then you just roll it back off that pretty, pretty simple. So you don't need that separate policy in that case. You're right. Yeah. Well, and I also want to say you, you, you've came on right after college. You're like, I want to buy a house. I want to buy a house. I want to, I want to be a real estate investor as soon as I can. And I think tomorrow, uh, yeah. you become your first, yep. uh, you buy your first property. Yes. Yeah. I'm, excited I'm, about excited. That. I'm trying, I'm trying to take it all in. Um, you know, guys like, when your mind is a million miles an hour, usually you you get to the milestone you've always wanted to get to, and then then you're you know you you're looking at the next one, so you don't you don't appreciate it. But I really want to soak it in. I am excited. It was it was the first first week that I worked for you at property at McCall Property Management when I was seventeen, and just I fell in love with with you know the process of buying and selling houses. There was a clear difference in the way that people handled themselves and their finances. You know they they valued things. They weren't flashy. But they were building real wealth and it stuck with me. And I was like, I want to buy a house by the time I'm 25. 26, the market got in my way, but we made it work. We sold enough insurance to, uh, to you know, we did with the new construction route, which seems to be a pretty solid option mm-hmm. for, for first time home buyers these days. You know, they're yeah. doing the rate buy downs if you use their use their lending company and they're, they're building these solid. They really are. There's a lot of licensing that goes into it. So, I'm very excited and I'm looking to house hack it, you know, rent out some rooms. Oh, I'm, I'm excited for you. I think that's going to be yeah. such a good deal for yeah, you. Try, um, try to make a little bit of, well, at least break even so I can be living for free, yep. but and it didn't, the right your down payment didn't come out anywhere near as much as you were initially thinking, if I remember right. No, I mean, in, in fact, this is why it's good to have a, a team of people around you. You know, I was standing in your office and we were sitting with, you know, one of your realtor guys and and I was talking about how I wanted to buy a house and that I figured I was a year or two off or I was going to wait the market out or whatever. And thanks to you and Chris, you two saying, hey, I think you could do it now. And that week we started looking into it and, you know, I was under contract in less than a month, you know, and it, it's crazy. I'm, I'm somewhat involved in real estate and I still didn't know I could buy. So that's, that's a, that's a big lesson to, to number one, ask somebody who's a professional and who's doing it because I wouldn't be buying a house if it weren't for you guys being like, you can buy a house. You don't need to wait the market out. Go look. And yeah, the fact that we did re- refinance it if the rates go down, but you've already got a, a really good rate. So you don't yeah. have to worry about that. Yeah. But um, I think that is a credit to our your your real, your real estate agent on that one, Chris Kratz, because yeah. like man, he knows his stuff. Like he, he does, especially on the on the new construction side, he knows it left oh, yeah. side, right side, upside down, inside out. He knows it Absolutely. down. Like so, he was the one like, no, this, no, we're supposed to get you a house right now, mm-hmm. and uh, he yeah. made that happen. So that's one thing I love about that guy is he'll make stuff happen that that needs to happen. Yeah, and uh, identify yeah, opportunities because. Otherwise, you would just been throwing money away for another year, year and a half. Yeah, I mean, rent, so the only difference that it wasn't like I started, you know, making more money or you know, in this business, you don't get a raise; you just keep selling insurance yeah. and the residuals. Uh, but it's not like anything had changed from the day that I decided to 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 now. the The only difference is that I was advised by somebody who knows what they're doing, and that's that's essentially the point of you know your podcast and and the point of you know the business, the industry we're in. It's to connect. We're better together. 
you know, connecting. We go, you and I go to some cigar meetups. You go to, to a lot of real estate meetups. We're in some, some groups together and, and in our own groups as well. And it, it's no surprise that people who surround themselves with people who are successful and who are doing well and who have a good mindset, you know, they go, they go further in life. That's for sure. Yep. And I, I'm going to say for, for someone at your age, you've done a really good job of surrounding yourself with the experts, the people that are like where you want to be 10, 20, 15 years down the road when other people are just, you know, they're just doing their thing. They, they aren't, they're not strategizing their life or their livelihood like you have. And I think that that's a credit to, to you. And, but I think Appreciate and that's a reoccurring theme that I've had through the podcast. I've, I've, you're number five today that I recorded. And I want to say that's a reoccurring theme is like surrounding yourself around the right like-minded people. Cause I'm a big believer in you're the average of the five people you're around the most. And yep. so you, you've seen me, I'm pretty di- disciplined on who I spend my time with. Oh yeah. Not cause I don't like people or whatever. It's just, I've got to yeah. be very strategic on, I need to be around people that are bringing, helping me bring my mm-hmm. mind into the right channel and, and get me in the right di- frame, frame of mind to, to, to focus yep. on what I need to do. And, and hopefully I had value to them too. It's it's concrete. It's a tangible fact for sure that you you will even down to just the way you you speak and the way that you you handle yourself and kind of starts to mirror those people that you're around a lot. And you know, I've been fortunate, like you know, you know, you mentioned, but it's just if it, you know, if it weren't for the 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 work obviously that I, I did put in and, and earned some respect from you, you guys at McCall, you know, if if I wouldn't have tried to have a good relationship with you guys, if I would have burnt a bridge, this, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair right now. Mm-hmm. It's important that when you get the opportunity to get in the room with people who are uh, levels above you, you know, you, you work hard to earn their respect and you, and you, you know, work hard when no one's looking because it, people see that. I think it was like the first week I ever did anything for y'all, you know, Jeff, you're, you know, your business manager, he saw that despite people, you know, when people weren't looking, when I was going to do maintenance, other people were screwing off, you know, and I was, I was working nonstop. And whenever I came to the office, you know, it was, a, I remember the first thing I ever did for you was like that integration. Um, and that was so valuable to me. Yeah. And what's crazy, Jeff, Jeff thought that it would take a week or two. And he was like, we're going to pay you for a week or two. I did it in two days. And I remember y'all still paid me for a week or two. And I was like, we paid you for the project and you did it. Yeah. You value, you value, you know, hard work. And that taught me a lesson in itself. So I appreciate you and like everything that you've done, obviously, but you, you were our original intern. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. In original, and I think we've we've had uh, quite a few now. But uh, yeah. you know, that was the Texas Tech connection there, and yeah, you know, we right. got a lot of Texas A and M students also that we interned throughout the summer. I think we'll try and do it year round if we can get the right right folks. Yeah, you and, had some good guys in there for sure, and bringing so, on Kevin and yeah, and that's how I bring you know test them out, make sure they're solid, and if they're solid, they get a job offer, and you know I think we're a good place to work. I agree. And, you know, we got we got an umbrella of companies. There's there's something for everybody. Yeah. Something that I always think about when I'm at the Ray White House. Every the barn, the barn. barn. I knew. <laughs> I knew. I always joke about that barn, and I always think it's funny because I got I got my Texas Tech interns to paint my my Aggie yep. barn maroon for me. Yep. And so we did that, a good job. Yeah, you did a great job. All it the turned paint. out. It looked really good. It did. Y'all did a good job, and uh, I'm supposed to have an appraisal on that from the city this week, but they. They've been dragging on that, but oh, yeah. uh, they've got to they got to take that. But that I was guess, an investment property. I guess I'm kind of like a very small percentage. I'm an I'm kind of an Aggie. I did get into yeah. A&M law school in Fort Worth, so yeah. I just couldn't afford law school. Yeah. So that's why I ended up well, in insurance. <laughs> it wasn't getting what you were going to put in in law school and what you were going to do later yeah. on probably yeah. didn't line up. 
I don't regret but, it. Yeah, but the cool thing is, is, is we're gonna go. You know, we've we've won the Aggie One Hundred for fastest Aggie owned companies, the hundred fastest Aggie owned companies in growth. We've won that three times with McCall Property Management. Congrats, by the Hopefully way. Hopefully, that's not in. Thank you. But uh, I'm I'm foreseeing once we hit the numbers for uh, Proco, I think we'll be down there for that. So. You'll just yeah. have to. You'll have to buy some maroon. I'll. I'll. I'll deck you out. I'll give you hey, the I'll wear cowboy I'll hat wear and everything. Third, but, yeah, uh, I'll do it. But that's that's gonna be fun. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that one day. I'm. I'm gonna say. What did they say? You. You have to claim it. You have to say you're gonna get it mm-hmm. before you get. So we're gonna claim it. We. We. It's. It's a couple of years down the road before we qualify. But yeah, we're. We're gonna claim that already. We're just gonna figure out a way to make that happen. Yeah, I'm gonna make it happen in 2024. You will. Well, it has to do with uh, the, the there's certain criteria thresholds on dates and okay. everything. But I think I think we might be good on 2025, 24, 25, maybe. I'm okay. not sure. We'll figure that out. We're going to we're going to yeah. first year we're eligible. We're doing it. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yep, we're going to have a good time. But uh, awesome. hey, Cameron, I appreciate your time. Thank you for yeah, all that you've done. Share, sharing everything. And for everybody listening, uh, I'm hoping you, you grab some nuggets that are valuable to you when you're when you're out there buying your first investment property. And I think everybody should know that Cameron is a ringer on in golf. So if, if you've got a charity golf tournament and you need somebody to help you on your scramble, Cameron's the guy to, to bring onto your team. And who knows, we might even sponsor the team so, to, to, to make that happen. Be fun. Yeah, Especially if you're in the mortgage fun. business. So, but yeah. uh, anyway. Well, hey. It's it's good fun, but I appreciate you having me. It's it's been great, and and uh, I look forward to to watching some more. I've gone through them all, so they're all really. I'm learning. I'm having a blast doing these, and yeah. you know I don't have any real hidden agenda. It's just I want people to understand what real estate investing is and what it can do for somebody. And there's so many stereotypes out there. And one thing I've learned is, man, I've got all of these people that I know that are super successful. Every single one of them did it differently. Every single one of them had a different story. That and everybody had their hurdles. Like what kept them from you know to you buying your first house? It was a mindset you didn't know you could. And yeah. uh, I think a yeah. lot of people are, are afraid. And there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. But, you know, in your case, I'd rather pay uh, my mortgage company and build equity than to pay the landlord, which you had a good landlord and you had a good property yep, management company too. And he was a client. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That uh, worked out. That's because you're yeah. a, a credible salesperson. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Well, I'll tell you what, I think the the important thing that people should know too, and I, I think you've mentioned this before, but none of us started with money. We all started from yeah. scratch. That's the cool thing. Yeah. Almost scratch. everybody like I'm not going to say was, dirt poor, but didn't have money. Like I was living on credit cards the yeah. whole like, first year and a half of Proco, and like now I'm buying a house. It's it's a it's a cool feeling. And, and it's, what's your credit card balance now? Zero. I know. No debt. I no know. debt. And your what's your yeah no no truck debt. So you're, yeah, yeah no you're paid off my truck. Yeah, my mm-hmm. I, I'm not buying anything anything new anytime soon either. That's all right. Enjoy that no car payment. So. All right, good deal. Thank you so much. I appreciate Thanks, it. Sir. And everybody that listened in. I, Hey, listen to the next podcast too, because there's so much value in all these. Thank you so much. All right. Bye.